This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. Um, basketball world has taken a hit this week, um, straight to the gut, as uh, Bill Russell passed away this week. Luckily, it was peacefully in his sleep, the age of 88. But um, yeah, tough time, and um, I thought that the least I could do was try and go through everything I could try and find anything on Bill Russell, just talk about it, um, yeah, started out with his college career, and then, um, you know, talk about his influence throughout everything, so, we're gonna do that this week, um, let's go ahead and jump into it. William Felton Russell, also known as Bill, was born on February 12, 1934 in Monroe, Louisiana. He would not stay there much longer as his family would move to Oakland, California around the age of eight, as Bob Ryan talked about on the Rich Eisen show earlier this week. He would attend McClyman's for school in Oakland, where he was an unpolished giant, but they still won a state championship. He would eventually become unrecognizable to his former high school teammates as he would go to play college ball at the University of San Francisco. In his first year of eligibility, USF would miss the postseason, but Russell would average 19.9 points per game and 19 rebounds a game. Already proving to be the leader on and off the court, as his teammate Casey Jones would recall, the Dons were getting ready for some big things. They would go 28-1 and win the 1955 National Championship, 77-63 over defending champion LaSalle. Russell would win Most Outstanding Player. He would lead the tournament in total points of 118, good enough for a tournament third best scoring average of 23.6. Consequently, Russell would have the most field goals in the tournament with 49, second place having 39. He would average 21 points per game and 20 rebounds. Russell had aspirations of becoming the greatest basketball player of all time, as told by USF assistant coach Ross Guidis. He was well on his way. 1956 would be an even more incredible season for the Dons. They would go 29-0 and end the season with an extended 55-game winning streak. This did not come with some challenges. Casey Jones, team's number two player, and a great one at that, was going to be out for the tournament because of his eligibility expiring. Russell would be asked, what will happen with the with Jones out? All he did was respond, spokes might change, but the wheel keeps rolling. And they would keep rolling all the way into the title game against Carl Sugar Kane in Iowa. They would start off the game being down 13-4. I believe it was Hal Perry, USF teammate, would say they would never been down 13-4. to Russell would have to dig in 
on what would on what would become ESPN's eighth best clutch performance in college basketball history as they showed in their ESPN honor roll show in 2007. He blocked three shots in one possession. Unfortunately, a stat that was not tracked during Russell's career at all. And finished with an incredible stat line of 26 points and 27 rebounds. All to win the national championship in his final game for USF. He would later be sad in the locker room. His teammate would ask him, what the, what's the matter? All he said to respond, you don't know how important this number six means to me, and I will never wear it again. The 1956 USF, t- USF team would be named the number nine best team in college basketball by that same ESPN honor roll show. Russell's career at USF would mean so much to not only basketball, but America. This was a team that claimed to have never fouled anyone out of a game. Players would allow their guys to just go by them because Russell would erase their shots. The All-American was touted so much by different as was touted as so much by different commentators like San Francisco's answer to the Empire State Building. Even one commentator calling him the Babe Ruth of basketball, all while he was still in college. Russell would become the first center to show off his many intangibles that would change the position. One writer claimed that these intangibles were his leaping ability, his wingspan, and his mobility. USF would also help popularize basketball on the West Coast. Something that I think a lot of people would think that Cal and UCLA would do in the 60s. But no, it was USF. They were as they were also the first major team to start three black players. Russell would then go on to win a gold medal in 1956, putting his name into the number one position for best amateur career for a long while and probably still is. Okay, look, we all know the pro career of Bill Russell. Hall of Famer as an athlete and a coach. 11 rings in 13 years, 8 of those being consecutive, 5 times MVP award winner, 12 time All-Star, 4 time rebounding champ, 11 time All-NBA and NBA 75 member. Russell at this time leads the Celtics in 5 statistical categories according to Basketball Reference. 21,620 rebounds, ahead by more than 10,000. 42.3 minutes per game, ahead by 3 minutes. 22.5 rebounds a game, ahead by 8. 133.6 defensive win shares, ahead by 60. And 163.5 win shares, ahead by 18. He was the leader of the greatest dynasty the world has ever seen. In 2014, Sports Illustrated would rank... Russell in the following categories. Number one center, number three rebounder, number four clutch performer, number one defender, number seven team for 1964-65, and number four for the best quote when being asked if he was a if he was scared of facing Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Russell would respond, Young man, you have that question backwards. His playing career it's only a small part of his legacy. That's something that I don't think many people get. 
I have 34 books that mention Bill Russell. That should be enough said. But let's look at Russell's influence. Russell, alongside Wilt Chamberlain, brought on the early TV contracts for the NBA. The games always included one of the two players. Although it was considered a weak deal by many, it 100% paved the way for what is now the largest source of income for the NBA. Many teams have been compared to Russell's Celtics for their dominance, whether real or perceived. The Indiana Pacers of the ABA are considered the Celtics of the old league. There's a whole chapter saying so in Loose Balls due to their dominance. Michael Jordan's Bulls were always compared to Russell's Celtics when meeting a new milestone, especially when they hit the three-peat, the first team to ever do it since Russell's Celtics. Miami Heat's Big Three era was seen to be the best team built since the Celtics of Russell. But they only had two championships. In the book The Cap, when David Stern, it was mentioned that when David Stern was put into the Hall of Fame, Russell was a part of a group that welcomed him into the Hall. Probably the most influential person around basketball, not named Michael Jordan, put Bill Russell into his group that welcomed him into the Hall of Fame. That's a lot, especially when Russell did not play when Stern was commissioner. Russell also stood up for his fellow players in the standoff boycott of the 64 All-Star Game. A moment that goes well underrated in the history of game. Especially when one thing that helped them was the TV contracts. Another moment where ABC was not going to give the NBA contract if the All-Star game was boycotted. So, stars of the teams, they made sure that their voices were heard. And they ended up getting a ton of health benefits after a tragic injury to a former player. In Michael Jordan, the life... Russell's ability to block shots in the way that he did was not always accepted as the right thing to do. His high school coaches had told him not to leave his feet to block shots. Yeah, it would not work that way. And it would also inspire Michael Jordan to prove some of his coaches wrong in high school. He said that he needed to play the way he was born to. That's some kind of origin story right there. The greatest player of all time being... Using Russell as an example, when one of the main things we always hear about Michael Jordan is that he never is that he didn't make his varsity team one year, which some people still don't think that's true. But hey, I mean he was still there to say, hey, I'm gonna play the way I'm gonna play. I w- I'm gonna listen to you for a couple things, but I need to play the way I'm gonna play. And hey, MJ's MJ. In the book Earl the Pearl. Earl the Pearl Monroe talks about his first time playing against Bill Russell. He had to extend his craftiness in order to stop Russell from blocking his shots. After blocking two of his shots, Russell would wag his finger and say, Welcome to the big time, kid, with a smile. Pearl would get off an astonishing shot to score, and he would say, You can't get them all, big fella. Russell would say, Yeah, but two out of three ain't bad, rookie. And it's still such a shame. That blocks were never recorded for Russell. Because you would know he'd have the whole category by himself. 
just locked up. Probably for good. But anyway, this is a great story to end up making one of the most inventive players even better. Earl the Pearl Monroe was known for his craftiness and just having the wherewithal to do whatever it took to get the ball into the basket in any creative way possible. And it all started when he faced up against Russell. In the book, When the Game Was Ours, about Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, it says that Magic Johnson would play one-on-one with himself as both Russell and Wilt. This is where Magic would work on some of his post moves. And I don't know if people think that it's weird you play one-on-one with yourself. I know people do it all the time. I do it all the time. Just trying to work on your own moves, pretending someone's in front of you, you got to get around them. Is it as good as playing one-on-one? No. But, I mean, it's nice to embellish some stuff. Also said that Bill Walton tried to emulate Bill Russell when he was growing up. He would later say of Russell that he would win all the big games, no matter what. Walton would join Russell on the night on the NBA 75 team. And I think this is why ESPN put him in number four clutch performer. A lot of the series went to game seven, and they just they kept winning. Obviously, the 11 rings, I mean, it wasn't for nothing. Also mentioned that in that book, the Dream Team would argue about the greatest team of all time and Russell Celtics was mentioned because Russell had 11 rings. Of course, Michael Jordan would say, you haven't seen the best team yet. But, um, yeah, always good for the greatest team ever assembled to talk about who's the best team in the history of our league. And, everyone, and a couple people would say, hey, man, those Russell Celtics were bad. They were bad dudes. But, you know, Michael won every conversation, it feels like. So, we we went with that one. In Bird Watching, the book about Larry Bird and coaching, and his coaching of the Indiana Pacers, Larry Bird had never seen Russell play, but he would say he knew how special he was by the way other people treated him. And this is most likely the reason why the finals MVP trophy was named after Bill Russell. And it will never change. And this is what I'm talking about. I had 34 books mentioning mentioning Bill Russell. Some of them had nothing to do with the like the whole book itself. Like it just so happened to mention Bill Russell just because he's that important to the game, he's always going to be mentioned. And yeah, just unbelievable how many how many times I've seen Russell mentioned. In the book When March Went Mad, the ultimate matchup in basketball history of Magic vs. Bird in the nineteen seventy nine NCAA finals was was all the way up to it being compared to the best big band matchup since the nineteen fifty five final. Between Tom Gola and Bill Russell, LaSalle and USF. Even then, like, that game broke records. And everyone's saying, oh yeah, this is going to be the best one since Tom Gola and Bill Russell. Amazing. 
Russell was the first African-American head coach in a major league. There were um, African-American head coaches in basketball before, but they were just in leagues that died out. But Russell was here to stay as Red Arbach handed the keys over. And, I mean, they still won two championships afterward, and he was a player coach. Unbelievable. And um, first press conference... It was actually after a loss I read that. I believe it was in uh, at Gods at Play. Um, I read that it was after a loss in the finals. And it, I think it was against the Lakers. Maybe not. It was They lost. And everyone's like, oh, Red, what are you going to do now? Red, what are you going to do now? And then Red, just genius in <laughs> just taking people down. We've obviously heard the victory cigar. Rubbing in people's faces says, well, tomorrow we're going to announce our new head coach, and he's sitting right over there. That's Bill Russell. Taking all the media attention away from the from the other team. He said, I think he said, I felt bad. Red would say, I felt bad for him. He got one win, and not a single person wrote about it. And that was it <laughs> from then on. And, um, yeah, but a reporter asked him, are you able to do the job wholeheartedly and... Essentially ask him, are you going to be as successful as a white man? And Bill just said, yes. And then they're like, why? He's like, because the one thing of a coach that you need is respect. And a player is respected on their playing ability alone, not by the color of their skin. And I mean, Russell's in the hall as a basketball coach now. So he did a really good job. Even after he left the Celtics, he was still doing really good. I don't think winning any more championships, but he was still doing good. In the book, The Punch, Rudy Tomjanovich would compare Akeem Olajuwon as a Bill Russell-like defender before the 84 draft. Pretty good comparison, if you ask me. But it was actually kind of funny enough because... Olajuwon never heard of Bill Russell before playing in the NBA. So, obviously his influence wasn't as far spread as it is today. But also, Hakeem Olajuwon is from Lagos, Nigeria, and he played soccer until he was 16. So, I don't know if it's Bill Russell's fault on that, or I don't know. In the book Tip Off, Russell and Chamberlain blazed the trail for the domination of big men throughout the history of the league. And it may be the reason why Michael Jordan fell to number three in the 84 draft. Some people were saying if Ralph Sampson was more ready, then they wouldn't have drafted Akeem Olajuwon. Then they wouldn't have drafted Sam Bowie. Michael Jordan could have been at the Rockets. Or if... You know, the Trailblazers didn't so desperately need a center. We need that franchise center, even though they just got Clyde the Glide a year before. Michael Jordan could have been in Portland. It wasn't as black and white as just saying, oh, Olajuwon will be number one, then we'll see number two. If Ralph Sampson was as good as he was in college, if he was that good in the NBA his rookie year, Olajuwon wouldn't have been rocket he probably would have been a trailblazer and then well i would not want to see what that what if would have been like because we all know the 
trailblazers and centers don't work out. Uh, in the book, Coach Wooden and Me, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would say that his high school coach basically forced him to watch Bill Russell whenever he got the chance. Of course, with Kareem being in New York, he would get into the garden quite a bit. He would always go when Russell Celtics were in town. But Kareem would hang out with Wilt Chamberlain. Like, when he was in high school, he would be around Wilt. And he wondered why he wouldn't watch him, since he had recently put 100 points on the Knicks. His coach responded that, yeah, Chamberlain may be scoring all the points, but Russell Celtics are winning all the championships. And there it is, enough said. I mean, Kareem is probably... One, it's he's up there with the best winners ever because obviously winning three at UCLA, winning one in Milwaukee, and then what the four or five in um LA, yeah. So, really good influence on Kareem in the book The Dream Team. Patrick Ewing idolized Russell growing up in Massachusetts. And that's enough said there. Let's think of all the guys who have been, um, I who idolized Bill. Patrick Ewing, who, if Michael Jordan did not exist, would be like a ten-time championship winner. <laughs> it just seems that way because he was he was all he was one of the teams that Michael Jordan always had to get through, and Ewing was their guy. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon was compared to him. He didn't idolize him, but he was compared to him. Bill Walton, Kareem. Uh, who else have I mentioned? There's just been so many. And I guarantee there's more. Magic Johnson. Earl of Pearl had to change his game because of him. Just And all the centers before coming after had to have, they had to idolize Russell one way or another, and that's just all the ones I could find. I have one more book to go through, but that's all the ones I could find. Some of them they didn't even have like glossaries in the back, so I guarantee they mentioned Russell. I just did not have the chance to go through them. So finally, in the mama mentality. Kobe Bryant would say that Russell was one of the few players to teach him lessons that would give him an edge over his competitors. And there's another one, Kobe Bryant. Huge influence by Bill Russell. Kobe would also compare KG to Bill Russell, showing that showing how his skills are still seen in today's game. There's another one, KG. But um that's a lot of the influence I could find. Now, let's talk the racial issues. This is the one thing that Bill, I'm sorry, Bill Russell, or Mr. Russell, I heard that um, Reggie Miller say that no one should ever call him Bill, but um, I'm just going to call him Bill Russell today. Um, this is the one thing Bill Russell will be remembered for. Um or that he should be is the racial problems he had to go through and ones that he helped um, get rid of. Of course, being born in Louisiana, I think Russell had seen some stuff, but not probably none he can remember. He was only eight when they moved. 
and of course he saw some uh, racism in Oakland. That's what uh, Bob Ryan would say, because I mean it was everywhere. And um, Boston was, pardon my language, a living hell for Bill, for Bill Russell. Just one of a, a place that no one thinks of when you think of racial issues. But my God, um, just people, people not going to see the Celtics base. And you can say all you want that knows for different reasons. The sole reason for people not going to see the Celtics was too many, was too many uh, African-Americans. They put out a survey saying, what can we do to get a, to bring up attendance? And they say, get more white guys. Like, this team wins 11 championships in 13 years, and they're not even close to selling out games, but yet they'll go see the Bruins literally suck for the, for the whole decade. And then Bobby Orr comes in and just changes everything for the Bruins and that and the attendance is still up and it takes until Dave Cowens and John Havlicek are the best guys on the team that's when fans start to roll in just so and then of course Larry Bird comes in in 79 and everyone's saying, great white hope, great white hope. And Red Arby was trying to say, great hope, period. Shut up about him being white. It doesn't matter. Like, he's seen what this happens. What happens to these guys? And Red Arbach is someone who, apparently, people in Boston found out he was Jewish. And they started um, going at him for that. What is the point And then Russell, who was incredibly brave after Medgar Evers is assassinated from a sniper, he goes down to Mississippi and Alabama to just try to get white kids to play with black kids in basketball, just play together. And they say, he's like, I'm here to solve a problem. That is clearly an issue. And just everyone's like, well, what? how do you think you're going to do that? And he's like, I don't know. I'm going to try. And then someone asks, you think you're going to get black kids play with white kids in basketball? Like, I think so. My kids play with white kids all the time. No one gets hurt. So he goes down to the heart of Jim Crow. To try and bring a stop to it. He would march in Washington. The reason that he wasn't that he wasn't going to get drafted to St. Louis, a big part of it was because of Jim Crow laws in St. Louis. I, Boston might have been a little bit better than what it was in St. Louis. And of course, he got traded for two white guys, and that. That really made Boston mad. What are you doing? You're trading these two really good guys. It's like, okay, those guys are Hall of Famers. Now, I understand. They are Hall of Famers. 
but no way they were winning 11 championships. I mean, no way. And then, even when they were playing, it's just still nonstop. Anywhere they went, just still, just segregation everywhere, even though it was to the point where it was just, you thought it was just only in the South, but it was literally everywhere. And I was disgusted to find out that in Indiana, in Monroe, no, not Monroe, sorry, Marion, Indiana, a place that I drive through quite a bit trying to go to school, Bill Russell was given the key to the city in Marion, Indiana. I can't find out why. Of course, I never really went for a Google search. I've just been reading the books. But I found it in the People's History of Sports in the United States. Um, Bill Russell was given the key to the city of Marion, Indiana. And then later the same day, denied service in a restaurant. Just because he was black. And this is something that Oscar Robertson has mentioned before. Where after Christmas Addicts won a state championship. That... The parade was not allowed in the white neighborhoods of Indianapolis. Only in the black neighborhoods. And he said, I've never forgiven the city of Indianapolis for that. And I don't blame him. It's disgusting. You win the state's tournament. You're the best team in the state. And then to hear that they give Bill Russell the key to the city. And not even, like, not even can anyone be like, okay, he won the, he he has the key to the city, we have to put him in. No, they, they stuck to their guns and said, no, this guy's black, I'm not putting him in just because he has the key to the freaking city. My God. And then, they play an exhibition game down in North Carolina, and they're denied service in a restaurant. And um, Bill Russell tells Red Arbach, this is not happening again. Like, next time this happens, I'm not I'm not doing it. So then the next year, they go to Lexington, Kentucky. And Casey Jones goes down to the restaurant in the hotel that they're staying in. And he's denied service. So Casey Jones comes up to Bill. And he says, hey. They denied me service, and Bill Russell gets on the phone immediately and says, and goes to the operator, give me, like, get me to the airport. I'm on the next flight out of here to Boston. Then he calls Red Arbach, and he says, hey, we're leaving. Him, Casey Jones, Satch Sanders, they're all gone. He's like, hey, we're we're leaving at 7 o'clock. That's our next flight. We're out of here. And Red's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, they denied Casey, uh, they denied him service. And Red's like, hold on, hold on. And he makes a call and, um, he says, I, I promise you it will never happen again. You can go down there. They're going to let you in. And Bill said, doesn't matter. Already happened once. I'm gone. And they were. They even took, I think it was, they were going against St. Louis. They bought them tickets. Out saying, hey, they're not going to let you eat here. We're leaving. Just. 
it it really it it really makes you wonder like this was like what 60 years ago and you just don't really understand how it happened like how could this have been a thing and of course i mean bill russell was part in backing up muhammad ali he was alongside Jackie Robinson, Jim Brown, Kareem. All in saying that, hey, this is BS, essentially. It was also in fighting for Vietnam. Just, hey, this is dumb, essentially. And, um... It, and it took a lot of guts to do it back then. If Red Arbach was not their coach or GM, we don't know Bill Russell. End of the story. Like, we don't. And if you don't think that's true, I, I tell me what rose-colored glasses you're wearing. If Red Arbach... Bill Russell tells the story of the first game he played and he blocked someone's shot and they called a foul on him. And... Red Arbach fought so hard for Bill Russell that he got a technical and maybe even got thrown out. And Bill Russell says, that's the first coach that ever went to bat for me. So if it's not Red Arbach sitting on that bench with him, I don't think we know Bill Russell. I don't think we know Sam Jones, Satch Sanders, Casey Jones. I don't think we know these guys. Like Bill Russell would be known for what he did in college with Casey Jones. I don't think of anything else, though. And it's a shame to say that, but... I To me, it's the truth. I don't think there's any other way around it. So... Yeah, just... You look this stuff up, and of course, obviously, you're expecting some stuff. Oh, and we didn't even talk about the thing that happened in Boston. Like, the worst thing that happened. There's a couple things that happened in Boston. So, one... Um, Bill Russell tries to move from his house just into a different neighborhood just because he's been harassed enough in a neighborhood he's going to go to another one. And the people of that neighborhood he tried to move into petitioned, like the whole neighborhood petitioned to keep him out. Like, do not approve this. And then just... This one is just... Terrible. And you probably heard it if you've been following coverage throughout this week of Bill Russell. Someone had broken into Bill Russell's house and defecated on his bed and then smeared it all over his walls in racial slurs. Like, what is... It's just infuriating that this happened. This man is the greatest winner that, I don't know, sports have ever known. If Alexander the Great didn't exist, he would be the greatest winner in the history of history. And they couldn't see past the color of his skin. And so, you know, because of all this, 
They retired Bill Russell's number in a private ceremony with only his teammates. Not a single person in Boston was allowed in there. Just because Bill had no friends in Boston. Other than his teammates. And we've all seen the quote throughout this week that his daughter was saying that my dad um, says that when, said that when he died, he will, was afraid of going to heaven just because it wouldn't be as good as it was with the Boston Celtics. Does not mean that it was good in the city of Boston. I believe when season was over, he was hightailing out of Boston. Do you blame him? Absolutely disgusting, and the fact that, you know, no one mentions this stuff. Like, you have to read it. And, and except for when he died, no one mentioned it. It's just terrible. And I'm going to say what Dan Patrick said. Do yourself a favor and read about Bill Russell. Don't don't watch film. Can if you want, but if it's on in the background while you're reading, that's the that's fine. Just read all you can about him. I need to get one of his biographies. I for some reason I never had one and um I need one now just to hear all the it's just tough and um I mean Bill was a class act um n- never like yeah the racial stuff came up every now and then but it, he didn't talk about it all that much Apparently, like, Bob Cousy wrote him a letter saying that he was sorry for all Boston did for him. And, I mean, Bill just said, yeah, I read it. I think that he just knew it was too late for an apology. Some of those heinous stuff happened to this man while he was winning and coaching, playing for and coaching a professional basketball team. The best one that the game has ever seen. And they still just did everything they could to get him out. And his teammates out. We I don't even know what happened to Casey Jones besides that. And Satch Sanders, Sam Jones. What happened to these guys? We don't know. Because, like, I think they all took it out on Bill. It's just a disgrace. And, um, you know, Bill Russell was a trooper, a pioneer. Any good adjective, that's what Bill Russell was. And, um, just sad that a legend is gone. And, um, I was thinking the other day, I think this was 
when I did the all defensive team, like it, we, I was thinking we need to get a documentary going about like Bill Russell or just those Celtics teams. Because, you know, Sam Jones is already gone. Uh, Heinsohn had already passed away. And, it, like, recently, I think, did Satch Sanders go too? No, Satch is still alive. Okay, thank God. Um. Yeah, the fact that all these guys are just dying out we don't really know their full story i mean it's mentioned for what like a half hour in the celtics lakers documentary to me it's not enough of course i want to know everything about every team ever but i think that we're, we're missing out on a great documentary that would i feel like it would have been brown groundbreaking just to see all that happened going through what they all went through in boston Going through what they all went through in America. Um, it's, I just wish we could have done that, but, you know, with Bill gone, I don't think it's possible. And maybe they didn't do it because Red wasn't around. But, I don't know. I've, we, we missed out on, I think, what would have been great. So, um. Yeah, that's it for this week. Um, I don't think I'm going to do any more until... Um, well, let's see. Let's check a calendar. So I go back on the 20th. I probably won't. Um, I'll probably take it off until September. Or maybe like the 25th is the next time I'll record... But, um, yeah, I, that's going to be it for the summer. Um, we're just, I'm going to take a little break. I got to get some stuff done before I go up to school. So, um, unless if anything drastic happens, uh, I will talk to you in September. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.